0: We're, we're, we're doing that Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn talk, Nets
1: talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn,
0: we go hard. We go go hard. Talking Nets, hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Yes,
1: yeah, sir. Welcome back to Talking Nets, episode one seventy-seven. As we proceed now. I know it's been a couple days. I know a lot has happened in the Nets world, but I know one thing. After that big win Saturday night, I thought I was going to wake up Sunday and see ESPN, NBA TV, I don't know, any other sports outlet, FS1, CBS, Sports Radio, whatever it might be, talking about, wow, look at the Nets. The Nets are winning games. The last episode we had, I said, winning streak ends, start another one. They start another one and they rest players, and they still go get a win. Jacques Vaughn is such a difference at head coach versus Steve Nash. They're getting it done without their MVP. KD is playing at an MVP level, but no, no, we know. Nobody cares about the Nets unless it's some BS. Jared says, that game against the Pacers was one of the best ones I've ever seen. Biggest win of the season. Yeah, well, we're going to get into it. Keith McPherson, Robin
0: Lumberg, Hudson Flynn. Robin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I I think um, a great philosopher once said, keep that same energy, right? And and that's uh, what you're getting at a little bit. Though, to be fair, doing what I do for a living, like I get it to a certain extent because the drama and all that sells, whether it's the the Nets or or somebody else, you know, Baker Mayfield over the offseason in the NFL, you know, that kind of stuff does generate clicks and all that. But it is kind of funny how quiet it's been because I'm not going to throw the C word around and say the Nets are contenders. But I'll throw a Q word around. I think the Nets are quality. And that was a quality win over the Pacers, like you saw up there on the screen. And that's what real teams do. You know, whether or not they've got their guys, they give the, the same sense of purpose and sense of direction. And for that, I credit John Vaughn. Hudson, how you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm doing well. Better that the Nets are, believe it or not, 8-2 in their last 10. Uh, I think I've said this on the last several episodes, but I'm surprised we're here after the way the season started. Uh, all credit to Jacques Vaughn. I think Keith, you sent out the tweet from Talking Nets that that just said the Bubble Nets were back, and and that was always a fun energy. And I, I've always been a, a fan of the the eternal underdog. You know, I, I I'm rooting for Morocco in the World Cup. I always love my Cinderella stories and March Madness. That it, it's weird to see a Nets Pacers game in you know 2022 where the Nets are you know, probably should be the underdogs and them come out like that. It was just, uh, it, it's been fun to watch. And the Nets have been a fun basketball team and an unproblematic basketball team uh, to a large extent, which like we've talked about and like we're going to talk about uh, means there means they're out of the headlines. The uh, Kardashians of the NBA, as I've seen them be called, uh, you know, nobody cares about the Kardashians now that, uh, you know, nobody's talking about Kim now that Kanye is doing what, she, what he's doing.
1: Good comparison with Ben Simmons being linked to Kylie Jenner. Um, They only want to talk about Ben Simmons if he's out with a back injury or a knee injury or if he's progressing slowly, right? Like, oh, Ben Simmons, what a joke. They only want to talk about Kyrie and his shoes. Uh, We're, you know, weeks away from, you know, you mentioned Kanye right there. We're weeks away from uh, Kyrie being on the heels of the Kanye stuff, not going backwards. But they only want to talk about Kyrie and New Balance and the tape on his shoes, what else? They only want to talk about KD and his comments about Aaron Judge, right? Oh, <laughs> KD goes on and says he's a Nationals fan and he doesn't care about 99 at all. That made national news and that was a joke. And if anyone was watching the post game like I was, Megan Triplett asked him the question, queuing him up for what? Yankees hot stove, which I also watched right after the post game. The Yankees and the Nets play on the same station, Yes Network. That's all TV production. But, uh, you know, KD came out and clarified that that came out too cold. But I just think it's interesting, right? When it's nonsense, Nets talk is up there. It's it's leading everywhere. Everyone's got something to say. Everyone wants to weigh in on Kyrie. But when they're actually doing what they're paid to do, what we want to watch them do and nothing else, play basketball, play good basketball, no matter who's on the floor, it's not a story. It's not a story. Not not that important.
0: It's even my uh, my co-workers, right, like who are, are constantly sending me disparaging texts when things are going bad with the Nets or when we're in a, a chat uh, like this one, just not broadcast. But when the Nets are doing well, you know, Cricket's there, too. Katie's just so deadpan. So I get that. Like people took it as an insult, but that's just <laughs> kind of how he delivers things. And Kyrie, you know, I, Kyrie's playing hard, playing good defense, happy with Kyrie. But he didn't exactly make a statement with his shoe thing either. Like, oh, I'm finally free from my millions of dollar deal that I had with, with Nike and the logo you can still see. But here's the thing, guys. You look at the stats and beyond 8-2 and two in the last 10, uh, ten games, as, as Hudson said, all of the, the numbers are starting to point in the direction of the Nets being a real team. I think they're top five in both half-court offense and half-court defense on the season. They are now a legitimately good defensive team. We saw a stat last week, I think, that they have the the best five man lineup defensively in the entire NBA of guys yeah. at least 100. Stat minutes.
1: Muse. I meant to throw that in the notes. Keep going. I'll throw it in there and Alex can add the uh, screenshot. I put a bunch of Stat Muse screenshots in the notes.
0: Again, I, I credit Jacques Vaughn for that. I credit the players for that. Um, you know, the rotation is starting to get figured out, the, the team is starting to get healthy. To me, the two biggest weaknesses are turnovers and second chance opportunities. Because when you look at the basic things, offense and defense, the Nets are excellent. The problem is they don't always complete their defensive possessions because the other team gets a rebound and puts it back up. And they turn the ball over too much, especially when they have like an opportunity to score and it goes the other way. So that leads to the other team getting more shots, having more field goal attempts throughout the game. If they can cut down on those two things, if they can shore up the offensive or the defensive glass, and they can shore up their, their turnover issues, then I, I do think you have to start looking at them as one of the three, four, five best teams in the NBA, as right now they are clearly – I would have them third in the East. I mean, behind Boston and Milwaukee right there with Cleveland.
1: When you look at the standings, I know it's it's too early to call. We haven't even gotten to December or uh, to Christmas. We're only in December, but – like. There's not too many teams that you don't know about. Like you know what the Sixers are. You know, you know what the Bucs are. You know what the Celtics are. You know who their stars are. You know their style of play. Um, you kind of know how the Mets match the Mets. The Nets match up against them. But here we are with a Nets team that, when they were losing, when they were under 500, they had all of this attention. Now they're stringing together wins. They're 16 and 12. They're currently in fourth place, and it's like, hmm. Let's see how long this continues. Another win streak, like I already mentioned. They're eight and two in their last 10, winning the last three in a row. And now they have a game coming up tonight, and then they don't play until Friday. So, you know, when you think about what Jacques Vaughn and the Nets just did, they made it so that guys can be fresh and they're not like they're going to break the rest of this week and not have to play till Friday. And the last game that they played, the top seven scorers had off. So let's get into it. Last episode we recorded right before the Hornets game. I'm not going to take you that far back. I know it's hard to even think about the game before the last one, but 7-11 combined for 62 points, it was a good start. It wasn't a great finish. As you guys remember, the Hornets kept with the Nets, and they barely won this game uh, by six points, 122 to 116. But whatever, win ugly, we'll take that win. Like the Hornets, we know the Hornets are not a, a good team. They're not a competitive team whatever. A win is a win. And it was part of going uh, six and one on this homestand, this seven game homestand that the Nets had. So then moving on from that game, right? It's a win. It's a win. It's a win. No one's going to remember. Oh, well, you know, you gave it back to them in the fourth quarter. They still lost. Then you're facing a Hawks team who had gotten beat by the Knicks in New York a couple days prior. So they were more, more motivated, right? You got Trey Young on the floor with King of Broadway on his shoes. In my opinion, he embarrassed himself going out there like that, thinking that he owns Madison Square Garden, whatever. They came out with more energy when it was time to face the Nets. The Nets could have lost that game to the Hawks. They didn't lose. It's another win, stacking wins. And then you get to Saturday night where I refer to this as the bubble nets, but we've seen so many iterations on this, and I'll pass the mic, and I'll try and add anything you guys don't add. When everybody hears that the nets are sitting their top seven guys, top eight guys, I think, uh, if you add TJ Warren into that.
3: This is your operating system talking, not your computers or your phones, but your internal human operating system. I'm feeling a little overloaded. Here's how you can ease my stress. Close your eyes or softly gaze at something in front of you. Now inhale for four counts exhale for six keep repeating <sighs> much better longer term there's BetterHelp online therapy they'll match us with the licensed therapist we can connect with via video phone or chat visit betterhelp.com and save 10 percent on our first month
1: everyone's thinking it's a punt game kd and royce o'neill are leading the league in minutes It was needed to get some type of rest, some type of game off, some type of load management. But the way that the Nets did it, choosing to sit that many guys, calling up G League young guys. The first thing I thought was, okay, there was a stretch of time where the Nets had to go through this last year. Right. Whether it was Katie and the kids or Katie goes out and now you're relying on Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp, Cam Thomas, David Duke Jr. You're relying on rookies last year. These guys had already gone through that and they're better versions of themselves this year. But I immediately thought Steve Nash did not take that opportunity last year as a time to shine as a coach. The Nets had an 11-game losing streak. Um, Yeah, KD was able to beat the Sixers with all rookies around him for the most part. But when you are sitting your star players, it is time to see the coach strategize, plan, and prepare a game plan, and then go out there and execute. And that's what they did. Jock Vaughn took these guys against the Pacers in Indiana on the road, and <laughs> it didn't matter. So Alex just put up there, the Nets were without their, without eight players. Nick Claxton, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, Royce O'Neill, Ben Simmons, TJ Warren. It didn't matter. They called up Dayron. They called up Kessler, and these guys have been playing in the G League. There's just not that much room for them. Patty Mills is another guy that was getting DNPs. And we were all kind of talking about Patty, like, well, why did they re-sign him? He's a veteran. What are they trying to do with him? Can't really trade him anywhere. That was a game where you could use him, and he was a great leader there. Markeith Morris, another guy that's like a, a veteran, a depth piece, but not really moving the needle for anyone. Like, I don't think anyone is looking at Marquise Morris as like, uh, you know, anything besides a glue guy, a role player. He steps up in that game. I think in, in the notes I wrote that he had uh, – 15 points, season high, 10 rebounds, season high. It was his first triple-double or his first double-double of the season, his first double-double since April 17, 2021 with the Lakers. So he stepped up. Tell me what you guys were thinking Saturday. Saturday, I was at dinner with my wife. I had reservations at 8, so I'm checking the score. And I'm like, they're hanging around. They're hanging around. Cam Thomas is doing his thing on Sharp is doing his thing. Edmund Sumner. Don't let me forget Edmund Sumner. I'm looking at the box score. They're down 14, and I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, it was a good fight. And I check my phone again, and I'm like, yo, they came back and won. This is the win of the year, the most unexpected win of the year. Everybody in sports should be talking about this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had a party. We had a party at our house. Um, Santa and the Grinch were both here. So I I didn't (laughs) feel like it it warranted putting the the Nets game on without those guys playing, but I I wound up rewatching it at at two o'clock in the morning or something like that. And what stood out to me was how quickly they cut that deficit. You know, when they were down eight in the fourth quarter at some point, something like that. And they they came back, which which shows the resolve and and shows that they were playing hard and they were ready to play again, a credit to the coach. You mentioned Edmund Sumner. I want to give him a, a special shout out. I think, Edmund Sumner is a key player for this team. I, I really like what he brings. I, I like the the point of attack defense, the, the length he has defensively, the, the energy he plays with, the fact that he he takes the ball in a straight line drive to the rim. Um, and, and I mentioned it before, you know, we I think we've brought up the Grizzlies on this show a bunch of times about how Ja was out and they, they kept winning. You know, real teams have a, a strategic focus, a strategic purpose that they play with. And over the course of time, the talent deficit is going to show. But in a one out of eighty-two game, if you're pl- playing professionally and bringing it, you can win. So if I'm Sean Marks, the next day I wake up and I I give some calls to people. Hey, uh, what do you think about uh, Cam Thomas? You, you see what he did uh, against the Pacers? That was my you know initial thought after I saw the fourth quarter of that game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was I, I was actually going to come in and say you almost took the words right out of my mouth. That you know if you want to give credit to anyone in that game, I want you to give it to Jacques Vaughn. Um, I obviously cam thomas was the player that put up 33 that espn did actually talk about his there his highlights were all over my timeline at the very least i i want that to be uh, a good a good sign for trade negotiations i want it to be a good sign for trade value because it it is clear that cam thomas is an nba player is a good nba player when he is put in a situation where he can be option one and in this game he was option one and that's just not a situation that he's going to be on with this Nets team night in and night out and coming off the bench, coming in cold, he's not going to be able to do what he did in that game. I don't think there's any reason why teams around the league shouldn't be excited by him. Me personally, I would be excited by him. You know, I'd be through the, through the roof. If, if we, if we had gotten him before we entered this current era of Nets basketball. So I I do hope that that uh, maybe, maybe leads to fielding a couple more trade calls. I saw a lot of people talking about Dayron as well. Obviously, the player that he was drafted with. Um, it's interesting with Dayron. You know, the Nets had a couple players uh, in double-digit rebounds, and Kessler had nine. And it, it was an interesting game to try and have takeaways. With the way the Nets are currently constructed, I can't really see how Dayron stays in the G League for much longer. Not necessarily because he's putting up any type of crazy stats. Honestly, mostly just because we need we need a big body, and if we don't play him in extended minutes, he seems to be serviceable. So I think honestly, I mean, good signs all around. I I love having a coach that we can rely on to coach through games, you know, having a top five half court offense and half court defense. Those are, those are coaching statistics. That's a, that's a coach stat. Sorry, I think Robin, you want to cut in?
0: Yeah, real quick. uh, Just to go back to the theme that we had at the beginning, people were waiting to jump on the nets. They were waiting to, to call it a disgrace and everything that they rested all those guys, because there is a level of vitriol around the team and you know, I get it. You know, somebody that in Indiana goes to that game. They don't get to see KD. They don't get to see Kyrie. They don't get to see Joe Harris, whatever the case may be, but they don't get to see those players. And it, it got quieted. That's one of the reasons nobody's talking about it. Cause they would have been talking about it had the Nets lost that game, but instead they, they won, which I do take as a, a good sign for the path they're on.
1: This episode is brought to you by 1923 on Paramount+. Plus. In Taylor Sheridan's new original series 1923, the Duttons confront challenges, including the end of the First World War, America's industrialization, and the start of the Great Depression. Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford star in the new original series in 1923, streaming December 18th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Yeah, and you know what? People can save it with their thoughts on how guys arrested, load management, which games look like punt games, which games, arrest rest games, because the entire NBA does it. And when we talk about star players, I think the biggest person you got to look at with that is Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, as a Clipper, what are Clipper Clipper fans saying about him never playing? Um, There's a bunch of other guys, too. And it's funny, ESPN wanted to run with uh, LeBron and AD. I, I saw LeBron and AD talk. Those are two guys that are gone missing a lot, injuries. And then even Zion, uh, his dunk late in the game against the Suns, that was the leading NBA story the next day. Zion missed all of last year. We weren't sure if he was coming back. And he, in his postgame, says, hey, this team eliminated my guys last year. I missed all last year. I'm here now. And, uh, yeah, those are all great stories. Chris Paul going through it. Rough couple of weeks for Chris Paul. But back to the Nets. couple of things you guys said. Speaking can- of the
0: Kardashians, by the way.
1: The the Kardashian theme is is heavy on 177. We'll have to send this to their people. Uh, (laughs) Back on Cam Thomas, you know, a lot of talk about his emotions um, on the bench. You know, there was a a thread in Nets Twitter where they just you know they showed the team celebrating and he just had a straight face on. We know Cam wants to play. He played last year. Um, He's used to being the bucket getter, the star. He's used to playing and shooting and getting his, and there's a lot of guys in front of him. But I think it's interesting right now, and uh, this will lead into the John Collins, Joe Harris talk. As we're looking at the Nets as a contender, as we're looking at the Nets as a team that might be able to make a playoff push and run this year, you know they're a trade or two away and that they do have this deadline. And I look at this deadline as like, Sean Marks, your job is on the line to try and get a piece to make this team a contender this year that could potentially get to, I don't know, an Eastern Conference Finals. Like, if this is the last year of KD and Kyrie, as most of us see it as, then they got to get further than they have in the last three seasons. They got to get out of the second round. And uh, Cam Thomas could be a piece, but there's some thought to, you know, KD likes him. And if he stays, right, he's the future. Uh, But there's also, like, you know, Hudson said, what team couldn't use a Cam Thomas That's young right now. Um, You can go back to that. Uh, That's young right now. And as trade talks are swirling around, Shams put out, the Hawks have had several teams in the Collins market, such as Utah, Washington. Speaking of Utah, shout shout out to Utah Watanabe coming back as well Saturday against the Pacers. But uh, Washington was in Brooklyn and Dallas. Atlanta has not shown interest so far in a potential framework. That would include Brooklyn's Joe Harris. Colin is in second year of a six-year, $125 million deal. Joe Harris, I think, makes like $25 million a year or something like that, $20 or $25 million. We just had this whole convo, $18, 18 and a half million a year. That's too much. I mean, for most people, I mean, the Nets paid him because they had to pay him. But I know most people are looking at this version of Joe Harris, Joey Buckets now, and they're saying, I don't know if we're going to take on that guy in any package just because of the hit. Um you know, 18.5 million for for a guy that's like, I don't know if he's a starter in this league anymore. He's an off-the-bench shooter. Uh, what are you guys thinking about the John Collins rumors now? Two weeks of that. Uh, Joe Harris, uh, his trade potential, which I don't know how much there is, and what the Nets need to do here. Cam Thomas, um, you know, going back to another thing you said, De'Ron Sharp. They they were counting on Dayron Sharp in the beginning of this season, which leads me to believe they will go back to him. Uh, I think he needed to go to the G League workout. Even looking at him in the post-game press conference, his face looks slimmer to me. Like, I think he's been hitting the weights. And he said he's been hitting the weights, weights running and working out hard. I think he's been trying to get back. So a good showing by him. Maybe they will get him some minutes. He can't be a 20, 30-minute guy, but maybe he can be 10 to 15. Uh, What are you guys thinking about Cam, Dayron, Joe Harris, John Collins,
0: and the potential trade market? I think any move the Nets make is likely going to be on the margins uh, because they just simply don't have much to give up. I mean, we talk about Joe Harris as a central piece. You're talking about the three guys I think who are most likely to be dealt um, rather than filler, but like as a a part of the the deal, a central part of the deal, Joe Harris, who has played better lately. Let's give him credit. He's made some shots. I don't um, personally trust him to be in the rotation of a contending team until proven otherwise. Cam Thomas, who like Hudson mentioned, he's the kind of guy that needs to go to like the Orlando Magic or one of those kind of teams, right? Where he can get a a ton of burn. So maybe you could get some sort of value. And then you always have to keep at least one eye open. I think he would appreciate that reference for Kyrie Irving, considering he is you know, in the last year of his deal. But I, I think we're getting more and more likely that they're just going to run that until the wheels fall off and see how far they can go in that respect. Beyond that, I'd have to look at their draft capital and situation. I mean, the Philly pick, I think they could deal this year. Um, that's something they can move, but you're, you're you're probably looking at a smaller deal, I think, for the Nets than a bigger deal to sort of shore up the rotation on the margin. Because we're now getting fairly deep into guys that you at least relatively trust, right? KD, Kyrie, uh, Claxton, Royce. Simmons, Royce, Watanabe, Utah. Uh, Sumner, Edmund I, Sumner. Yeah, I just mentioned. Then the other the other surprise wild card to look for would be Nick Claxton. Simply because he and Ben Simmons aren't a perfect fit, Simmons there's a lot more invested in him going forward, uh, and and he's harder to move. So if any any move was just gonna like shock us, that would be the move. I think that would shock.
1: Seth us. Curry, anyone thinks Seth Curry has any value
0: out there? More than Joe Harris?
2: Yeah, I mean for his he's, he's been he's healthy. been more consistent, right? If he's healthy, he's he's been more consistent, right? So you got to give him that. I agree. I think a move on the margins is likely unless Sean Marks is genuinely feeling pressure from Josiah. If Josiah says, you know, this is our last burn. This is our last run. Your job's on the line. I can understand the the desire from him to take a big swing. But I expect an addition, uh, probably something closer and again, hopefully something closer to uh, PJ Tucker on the Bucks, uh in 2011. You know, if you guys obviously if you remember the series when the Nets played the Bucks, he was he continued to be a menace, but he was also a good basketball player, uh, believe it or not. He was traded for Rodion's Kurucs mm-hmm. that year of, of, of Nets fame. But that kind of a move, uh, a move on the margins for a player that fills a specific role that the Nets maybe don't have. The Nets have a lot of shooters, for instance, but we do not have a secondary big. Everybody talks about that. That might be a little harder to come by. But do you have someone who's, you know, uh, as the the phrase goes, has that dog in him, you know, a little bit of the Bruce Brown energy, which I, again, I know Bruce was maybe more expensive than we were willing to pay for, but Bruce Brown would still would still be a good person to have on this team, you know, regardless. So I think that's the kind of move that actually would probably make the Nets not only make the most sense, but probably improve them the most because at the end of the day, you have to, and based on the way the team is constructed, you have to rely on the fact that you can have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons you know, playing the majority of, of your star level minutes. So you can't really hope for someone like John Collins, especially with the season he's having to come in and solve all of the problems and and be a fourth star to our theoretical big three.
1: It's fun to win games. It's fun to talk about the Nets winning. It's fun to talk about a Nets team that has depth, a Nets team that we're looking at and we're laughing as they're able to pull off a win Saturday With rookie, well, not rookies, second year players, young guys, a couple veterans in the mix. They're able to get a win, and it's about stacking wins. This year, I've been on record saying this. I think this is the best roster that KD has been a part of as a Brooklyn Net. And this year, to me, is about convincing KD, hey, you can win here. like You should stay and finish out your contract, and we'll keep building around you. We'll keep making trades, moves, signings to build around you. You're the guy. Now, speaking of him being the guy, he's playing at an MVP level. KD this season. You guys can see it right on the screen. 30 averaging 37 and 5, 56, 34, and 92 percentage. Like he's so efficient. You don't even need to talk about that. It's known his field goal percentage. Um, he's fourth in the east, leading the league in points, leading the nets in points and assists. He's building an MVP case. Could you imagine KD winning an MVP in Brooklyn? I'm just saying, it's 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 out there. You know, Katie knows he's the guy and he knows that he is able to do what he's been doing. Uh, and he's also keeping it going with his charity work. I think it's important to note, right? They're playing the wizards tonight. He's going back to, to DC in Maryland, where he's from. I don't know if you guys know anything about Bowie state. Um, it's, a pre, I think it's a black school. I think it's a, I don't know if it's an HBCU, but it's a predominantly black school. And, um, Kevin Durant's foundation is sending a half a million dollars to transform their basketball gym and the school's athletic programs. Half a million dollars goes far to school like that. I actually like used to play football with the guy that went on to coach at Bowie State. And um, I
0: think it's like not far outside of Baltimore or. I'm pretty sure it's Bowie State. I went to University of Maryland. It's Bowie. It's
2: It's, Bowie. it's yeah. in it's in Bowie, Maryland. Yeah. It's in,
0: it's it
1: depends, P- on, it depends on the accent. Depends on the accent. Whoever's it's in P G County, yeah.
0: which is uh right outside of D C. It's um you know a, a very uh demographically speaking a very high percentage uh black demographic that lives there. I think it might actually be the most affluent black county in the country. It's 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 up there. Somewhere like that, but yeah, PG Cook County. just
1: said oldest HBCU in Maryland. I, I I didn't know if it was an HBCU. I don't know if there's qualifications. It's HBCU. one of the it's one of the oldest in the country too, actually. Bowie State. Mm-hmm. So the Bowie Bowie State Bulldogs. Kevin Durant didn't go there, but he's a Maryland guy and he is doing things for his hood where he's from and a school there. I appreciate that. I I enjoyed seeing that news come through because he's helping where he's from, not forgetting where he's from, and they're going back there. Uh, I expect him to ball out tonight as the Nets try to keep their winning ways going. KD in the last 12 games. I mean, the Nets are 9-3 and three in their last 12 games. KD is averaging 30. Seven rebounds per game. Six assists per game. 60% of his field goals are going down. You have one of the best players in the world on this team. This is the best roster you've had around one of the best players in the world. Nets fans, we've been through enough. We're just hoping nothing screws this shit up. We're just hoping that there's nothing that pops up, like an injury or off the field stuff or off the court, rather, stuff pops up. Like, keep it going so we can keep winning. I know it's not even Christmas yet, but it feels good for the Nets to be in the position they're in. Fourth seed right now. I know it doesn't matter about the standings, but a few games over 500, another win streak started. And if you can pull up the Nets daily tweet, now. I don't know how y'all feel about Nets daily, but reasons for optimism. The Nets have played 28 games, most in the East, three more than the Bucs or Sixers. Their remaining schedule is the sixth easiest in the NBA. Of their 14 back-to-backs this season, they've already played half of them. So their opening month was the toughest in the NBA. They're healthy. They got through that. So all of these things are lining it up, Nets fans for this to be potentially the most fun season of the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving era, and it's the actual end of that era as we know it. I just don't believe they're going to re-sign Kyrie unless Josiah sells the team. So that's why I've been speaking on this. Like, it's finite, and, like, they need to be all in, and that's what we've wanted, right? This was supposed to be a run it back, all in for this last year. Get the most that you can out of this last
0: year, and I think they're effectively doing that. Well, you see uh, Miguel Gonzalez writes in, do not ever trade seven, Nets legend. I am increasingly grateful for Kevin Durant being on this team. I think Same. through everything we've been through um, watching them and and all the trials and tribulations and drama and all that, it, it can make you emotional at times, and you can react out of emotion. But I mentioned this a few episodes ago, taking my son to the game, him copping the – well, he didn't cop it, but him getting the KD jersey that uh, that I cop for if him. If he had money, he probably would have coped. <laughs> He, he loves it. He's wearing it right now at a basketball clinic right at this very moment. So, you know, that, that, the fact that one of the greatest players of all time plays for the Nets is something that should be appreciated. Uh, his jersey is likely to go up in, in Barclays. He's the, the best player. You know, if he, if he stays for another, if he stays for this contract, you might be able to say he's the best player in franchise history or right there mm-hmm. with Jason Kidd, right? And um, the, the guys that came before him. So I, I do think building around him is prudent. The one thing I'd love to see is him outplay Jason Tatum in one of those games when they're head-to-head. Need but I, I think the ideal scenario, to be honest, is you have to realize also where KD is at in his career. So he's playing like a top five player this season, but I think you can expect him to be a top 10 player throughout the duration of this contract or, or something to that effect. The ideal situation would be a young buck coming up as KD is, is coming down a, a little bit. Kyrie. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Bucket getter, Cam Thomas. Kyrie's the best candidate at the moment, obviously, and and, and raises the the net ceiling the most. But like you have mentioned, we, we don't know what his future holds. I guess the the best candidate on the roster remains, it's not the, the prototypical stuff, probably remains Simmons. I mean, he's 26 years old. I just don't know how much, let me ask, you know, Hudson, how much faith do you have in, in Ben Simmons? Like, where, where are we at with the Ben Simmons deal now as far as like what he can ultimately bring?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because when you said that you want, you know, you want the the young buck to to come up, you know, as as KD ages, for and mostly because they've been in the news lately, you know, I was thinking of uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan, right? Obviously, that's about you know as as amazing Hall of Fame as you can get uh, from that kind of a situation, and that's not going to be Ben Simmons by any stretch of the imagination, but there there is something, to, a lot to be said, frankly, for the kind of impact that. You know, a, a great player as they go out can have on a younger player, and I want to give Kevin Durant, you know, the credit to say that that he can he can do something with helping Ben Simmons come along in his career. I don't know what to think, quite frankly. I I think I think if we get the Ben Simmons, if he if he manages to regress to his mean, which his mean has been over his career when he's been playing quite good, uh, then then we're we're in a much better situation. Um, I don't think that's something that happens this year. But, you know, I have to be and with this Nets team and with the core that we have and all the things we've been through, like Robin talked about, I feel like I have to be an eternal optimist with this team. I have to be positive and forward looking and, and have faith in the fact that, look, Ben Simmons, getting Ben Simmons as a part of that James Harden trade with everything surrounding him, everything that they knew that was going on with him. I can't I can't allow myself to think that that was just a bad call or a mediocre call at best. I want to think that it's a good call. And so I'm going to give him as much time as it takes. And until he shows that he is not going to be that guy, he's going to stop growing. He's going to stop, you know, returning to the form that he once had. Uh, I'm going to give him
1: faith and I'm going to hope that he can, he can be that guy for KD. A lot of it is health with Ben too. If you're not healthy, you can't be the version of yourself you want to be. And he's spoken about the disconnect between his mind and his body. So we just got to hope he stays healthy And then he can be out there getting more reps and playing. This is a guy that didn't play for two years. This is a guy that that missed a lot of time. And we can't forget that we've been patient with him. But I think he'll be all right in the the long run. This is all about playoffs. They've already spoken about this. Like Jacques Vaughn even said with TJ Warren, we're not in a rush. We want him to be able to contribute in the playoffs. No one's dumb here. Everybody understands, right? This is all for April, May, and maybe into June. Right. It's all about that. We know we're in December as well. That's why they're resting, guys. Uh, Last thing on the Pacers, man, that was the fourth time that the Nets played the Pacers already in this early season. So I guess they figured like they seen him enough. We know what to do against them. Tip my cap to Jacques Vaughn. But that was all Cam. Cam had 21 points in the fourth quarter, a career high 33 late in that game. And that's him showing who he is. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if the Nets want to keep him or they want to shop him or what becomes. But you know what? It's fun to be a Nets fan while they're winning and while they're doing it with different guys on the floor than you expect. You look forward to this Wizard game tonight. Uh, they've already played the Wizards three times. I think this is the third time they faced the Wizards. I, I know they faced them and beat the brakes off them last time in D.C. It was the they worst just played loss.
0: Them. That, that was the game I was at, the, the Wizards.
1: So they this is the third time they've played them. They played them in Brooklyn, beat them when, when Robin was there with his son. And when they went to see them, uh, the first time in dc it was the all-time worst loss 128 to 86 uh in you know that's ever happened there i think they win tonight and it'll be good to see kyrie Katie, the rest of the guys back on the floor then they get a, a few days off and they'll be back on the floor friday against the raptors who they've also seen at least twice i want to say they've seen the raptors three times uh maybe going, yeah they've seen the this raptors is the fourth three time. times they beat the Raptors three times. This will be the fourth time that they face the Raptors. So when they're talking about, like, the strength of schedule and the rest of the road, and I saw Migs, Migs in the chat with his his Jets fan and Mets fan, PTSD. He's like, I don't want to hear about strength of schedule Yeah, because the Mets had the easiest September that anybody in baseball had, and they slept on their opponents, and they got knocked down a little bit. You got to still go out and compete and win the games, but you feel good about that with the team. That they have. All right, that's all we've got. Uh, anything else, Robin or Hudson, that you'd like to add? I think we can try and come back with an episode Friday or maybe Thursday, uh, just so we can get two in this week. But like I said, they're off for the next couple of days. They got a game tonight, and then they don't play again until Friday.
0: I know. And that's look. Yeah. I'm happy we're talking about a, a pretty good team. And and the, I'll I'll be completely blunt and honest with y'all. I was worried that we were going to be the this is fine meme. The, the entire season or until that was everything. last year,
1: that was yeah. me doing this show last year, like trying to talk everybody
0: off the ledge and there was no way it was cooked the whole year. But at least I think what we're going to see is a competitive team for the rest of the year. That's going to be in the playoffs and, and is going to represent itself well in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and the look ahead, not even as far as to the playoffs, is is still fun, I think. I mean, we have a couple easier games, our next three, and then we go and we play some top teams. We got the Bucs, we got Cleveland, and we have the Warriors, which 14 and 13 may not be a top team in the league, but, you know, they still have the players to be that, right? So I think the Nets are, in in the near-term future, going to be carrying a pretty nice-looking winning streak in their last 10 going up against the teams that they are going the caliber of team, at least with the Warriors and the teams literally that they are going to need to beat if they are going to do anything in the playoffs this year. So I think as a Nets fan, you have not only a lot to look forward to in terms of the playoffs and how we might grow to them, but also just a lot of fun basketball to look forward to, which is for all the stuff that surrounds the Nets. And, you know, we we started the podcast and the title of the podcast is no one's talking Nets now because nobody likes to talk about the Nets when everything is basketball and everyone's winning. But at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. We're not here for the drama. We're here to watch the Nets play good, competitive, exciting basketball and win basketball games. And I'm, I'm thrilled, honestly, that we're going to be in a position to do that going forward.
1: Right. Well said, Hudson. That's why you have a Nets podcast, because we're not like the traditional media, the national media, or even the local media that's dominated by Knicks fans. We're here to talk about the Nets, and it's good to get back to talk about winning and players and stats and perspective and trades and potential for this team to be a good team that can make a run through the playoffs. Subscribe to the pod. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. And uh, if you're in the chat right now on YouTube, click like on your way out. That's all we've got. I know Robin's got to go. I got to go. Hudson's got to go. Talking Nets, you know how we end these shows. Let's Let's go go Nets. Nets.
0: Let's Let's go go Nets. Nets.
3: longer term, there's BetterHelp Online Therapy. They'll match us with the licensed therapist we can connect with via video, phone or chat. Visit betterhelp.com and save 10% on our first month.
1: TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively
0: sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bitch! Music. You said my word.